Have you ever walked into a large beauty retailer and felt lost and overwhelmed and wished there was a better option? Enter Storied Beauty, a skincare boutique and concierge service based in Dallas, Texas, carrying a tightly edited collection of vetted brands from across the world. Founder Lindsay Friedman offers complimentary skincare concierge sessions to guide her clients through an often overwhelming and saturated beauty industry. Lindsay works with clients all over the country, helping them to develop a regimen that works for their lifestyles. She will review what you're currently using and either make adjustments or suggest new products that complement your existing routine. Storied Beauty's curation is nearly all women-owned lines that cannot be found at every local big box store. Your concierge session includes a hand-holding, customized experience for testing and selecting products, as well as guidance on proper methods of application. While working for one of the largest international skincare companies, Lindsay helped train beauty advisors across the country to properly assess customers' needs. She has since studied the science behind skincare and will help guide you through the complexities of ingredients and create a skincare story tailored to you. Please reach out to Lindsay to schedule a free concierge session or visit her website, storied-beauty.com and on Instagram at storiedbeauty. We are thrilled to have her as our sponsor for the month of May. Hi, everyone. I am Emily Landers, and this is How'd She Do That? A podcast answering that question each episode. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to today's episode of the podcast with my new friend, Bria Hamill. I am so excited for you all to hear her story and our conversation today. If this is your first time listening, welcome. We have an amazing show for you today, and we also have over 150 additional episodes that you can listen to over in our library on iTunes or Spotify. Feel free and please do leave us a five-star review over there. It's a great way for other people to find the podcast. And if you've been listening for some time, welcome back. This is another conversation that I know you're going to learn a lot from. You're likely really going to enjoy. I know I did. And Bria, thank you so much for taking the time to share your story with us here at HSDT. Well, quite a few updates happening over here on the podcast side of things. We always have something coming up. And as you guys know, we most recently had an event in Houston with my friend Lizzie at her store, City Boots. Lizzie's going to be joining us on an upcoming episode of HSDT. We are also working on an event in Newport, which is going to be amazing, and rumblings of an event happening in Fort Worth. So you all will have to stay tuned as to where we may pop up next so that you can join us and be introduced to some of our amazing previous guests, but also just women who are doing incredible things. I posted on Instagram this week, I was at a friend's album release party here in Los Angeles. The album is called Mother Jessica Oyelowo is the singer, and it was such an encouraging evening. Mother, the theme of motherhood right before Mother's Day. The album launches on Mother's Day. It was so encouraging. And for more of my thoughts on the conversation around motherhood from someone who's not yet a mom, you guys can go over to my Instagram at Emily Landers. I posted just a little update, a little hello from me as I was thinking about motherhood and Mother's Day upcoming. So thank you guys for the kind messages from that 
Instagram post. And again, head over there if you weren't able to read it just yet. That was such an incredible night celebrating women. It was amazing, very much in line with all things HSDT. Well, I know many of you enjoy these little intros as I share some of the updates as to what's happening here on the podcast, but if you want the full behind the scenes and the full download with way more information and way more just encouragement, but also questions on my end as to how I'm building and growing a brand as well as a podcast, it's not just about the podcast, you can head over to patreon.com slash how'd she do that to receive five additional episodes a month in video and audio format. We've got Get Ready With Me. We have the French Riviera trip that my husband and I took last fall. We also have lots of Southern Sea content, if you've ever been interested in any of their events, as well as all of our previous events. We have vlogs from those events so that you guys can see more as to what that has looked like. Patreon.com slash How'd she do that? Well, you guys, this episode is one that I have been so excited to share with you all. Here is my friend Bria Hamill on How'd She Do That? Today's guest, Bria Hamill, is the creative director and CEO of Bria Hamill Interiors and Brook and Lou. She leads a fresh, talented team of women who are dedicated to designing beautiful, inviting homes for their clients. Bria's work has been featured in national publications such as Traditional Home, Forbes, Architectural Digest, and House Beautiful, to name a few. Most recently, Bria was named in Traditional Home's 2022 Rising Stars of Design, a huge honor to her and her team. Through her many life experiences and travels, Bria has a unique perspective on how people live, as well as a deep understanding of how different spaces can come together in incredible ways. When Bria isn't speaking with women like myself or working with clients, she's likely enjoying time gardening in the summer and can be found at the ice rink cheering on her hockey players and husband who's coaching in the winter. Bria, welcome to How'd She Do That? Thank you so much for having me on, Emily. It's a pleasure to be here. Oh, well, it's a long time coming. I mentioned this before we started recording. We have been so excited to get this on the calendar. And so for it to be the day that I get to chat with you, I'm so thrilled. And again, I can't thank you enough for your time. Yes, no, I'm excited. I When we had it on the calendar, it seemed like a far time away, but I, know. I looked at it as spring would be almost here by the time we did this. And here we are. So I'm so happy that we're at the end of the winter season for us here in Minnesota and yes. heading into sunshine and talking with you today. Oh, yes. Well, and likewise, we've had a, a crazy kind of season here in California with the weather and whatnot. Yeah. And I know Minnesota, you're ready for, for some change, changes yes. there as well. We well, are. well, again, I mean, I've just been so looking forward to getting to know you a little bit better after stalking you on social and seeing all of your incredible projects that you've done. Um, and so I'm eager for listeners to get to know you as I have. So how about this? Maybe um, you can kind of share a little bit about your upbringing and then ultimately, where did you go to school? Yeah, sure. So um, I was actually born in Houston, Texas. My mother was doing her residency program. She was an, she is an OBGYN and we were living down there while she was finishing her schooling. Um, so I always call myself a Southern girl, even though I moved away when I was seven um, back to Minnesota. But um 
I started off in nice sunshine and heat and um, <laughs> moved to Minnesota when I was in first grade and was raised here. So my my entire family is from Minnesota. Um, and we grew up, I grew up in the Twin Cities. My parents were divorced when I was young while I lived in Texas. So um, my dad lived in a small town of a thousand people um, in Harmony, Minnesota, which is southeastern Minnesota. And my mom um, lived up here in the Twin Cities. So I always say I had the best of both worlds where I um, grew up half my time in a city. And um, then on weekends, every other weekend, I would be in a small town kind of doing a slower paced life and um, just enjoying what comes with that. So um I always say that my mom, although she was an OBGYN, I think if she would have gone back and chosen a different career, it would have been interior design. Uh -huh. I grew up in wallpaper and furniture stores as a child. I <laughs> um, have very fond memories of even the smell of a wallpaper store. Um, and so I think that my my eagerness to design and to just be influenced by homes um, really came from that experience. Um, I didn't know that being an interior designer is what I wanted to do when I was young. When I went to college, I went to the University of Kansas for college oh, wow. and I went to school for business. Um, but while I was there, it was interesting. A lot of my friends kept asking me like, why don't you be an interior designer? You're so passionate about it. I was constantly redesigning my rooms um, <laughs> in the homes that I was living in and helping them with their design selections and giving opinions to family members about design. And um, finally, one day I just woke up and I was like, what am I doing? Like, the design is definitely my passion. So um, I decided to get a degree in interior design. So I went to a school, a small school in Kansas City to get that degree. I didn't want to do another four years of college. Um, so I got an associate's degree in interior design um, in Kansas City and continued to live in Lawrence, Kansas um, while I did that. So um, that's kind of, you know, where it came from. And just, you know, I didn't know I wasn't one of those people that was five years old saying that I was going to be a designer, but it just kind of came naturally. And then finally, it just came to me that that's what I wanted to do. How fun is that? And then so did you complete school at the University of Kansas and then went on to get more in interiors? Is that right? Yeah. So I was um, in my senior year of <laughs> School of business school at University of Kansas oh when I decided. Um, and so I never finished that last year because I was already four years in and I just didn't want to be in college for the rest of my life. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I didn't finish. And I always think back to myself, like I probably have four classes left oh. to get a business degree. But, um, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. Now it, it clearly doesn't matter and it hasn't really affected me. The design degree is really what, you know, gave me my passion and the confidence to do what I'm doing now. But the, the four years of business school certainly has helped me run multiple businesses. Oh, definitely. Well, it, those are just fun facts to, to pick up yeah, on and to get, to get to know more about you. Well, okay. So this is really exciting because it's so cool. And, you know, I think to the, to the thought of, oh, you know, doing the business side of things, I, I know that that has helped you since then, but then even the element of, you know, the, the friends in college, so many yeah. people find their passion way post-grad, but even for you in college to be like, okay, this is what I kind of want to hone in on. So what did it look like to be in Lawrence, Kansas, and mm -hmm. you've graduated with with the ability to to go on and and do the design work? What yeah. did that first role look like out of school? 
So I was lucky enough that the program that I went to in Kansas City was actually um, really incredible. The, the director of the program really understood what running a residential design business was all about and set us up for success in a short two years. Um, one of the requirements is that we had internships throughout the program. Mm. And I was able to get an internship at a design firm in Lawrence um, for a designer who um, had quite a large firm for the size of town that we were in. And she did res both residential and commercial design. Um, and for those that go to design school, one of the biggest challenges for um, students is understanding and knowing which part of design you want to do, because it's not very common for an interior designer to do both in their career. Um, you could you normally work either for a commercial design firm or a residential design firm. Um, and I've seen a lot of people now that I have employees and I do a lot of interviewing um, where people really struggle with that out of school of not knowing what they want to do. So with that internship, I was really lucky to be able to work on both types of projects. And that's where I learned quickly that my passion really lied within residential design. I just loved the client connectivity that you had, and it was a lot more personal. Um, I felt like I was making movements in people's lives versus commercial spaces are a little different. You're typically working with multiple people, and maybe it's not their personal life that you're affecting as much as an environment that you're creating. So um, I just was really drawn to the all aspects of residential design. And um, I worked for her for, oh gosh, it was probably three years oh, wow. while I was there. Um, so I continued on after I graduated and that was my first role out of school is um, really becoming a designer for her. And I think that had I stayed in Lawrence and not moved home, um, I would have probably taken over her company. We had already started talking about that, but I just couldn't commit because I'm a family girl and all mm -hmm. of my family was still in Minnesota. So I ended up moving home, but it was a really great experience. And I think just what she had a lot of energy. Um, she was, um, she was certainly not old, but she wasn't right out of school. She'd been in the design world for quite a while. And um, just seeing how much passion she had really like gave me life to know that this is a career that you could really love for the long, long term. It's so cool. And to have a, a mentor right off the bat that, yeah. wow, yeah, even was loving your work so much so that, right. that she was discussing, okay, what could this look like? Yeah. Um, just briefly, could you give an example of what commercial projects would look like? I'm I'm kind of twiddling my thumbs over here like hotels, perhaps. I'm, I don't know why right. I'm thinking of like, um, yeah. like an American Airlines, like VIP lounge or something. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that's some of the more glamorous work that goes into commercial right. design. Right. A lot of commercial design, like what we did for her was um, medical industry. So we were oh designing my gosh. floors of hospitals, oh, you know, wow. like we would take a new, you know, maybe it was a heart wing of a uh, hospital and redesigning what that would look like. Oh and, my gosh. Um, you know, but commercial design could be office buildings. It can be hotels. It could be airports. It could be, you know, all anything that's really more of like, it's not a home. Right. So the glamorous side of commercial design is like boutique hotels, right. boutique restaurants, salons, you know, but there's not actually a lot of that work. So most people that get in commercial design are more of that bigger thinking cubicles and, you know, all of that. So um, it was just something that a lot of people that are more, um, what would you say? Like not that left brain, perhaps detailed, but yeah, exactly. Right. Left brain organized. Yes. Um, 
people that really want to like dig deep into AutoCAD work, so drafting and all of that, they a lot of them are attracted to commercial design. Wow. Well, you can see even with my examples, I think I'd be more of a residential girl. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. to step into it. Okay, but this is so fun. So, and I loved what you shared too. Um, you know, there's so many themes already coming out of our conversation, but the the element of family. So you're there. You're there for three years, which is a, a nice chunk of a, of an early yeah. career to be right yes. out of school and to stay there for that. Um, amount of time. What was the precipice of you deciding to move home? Yeah, you know, I um, was in my mid-20s by then, and um, my siblings were starting to get married. And um, I don't know, I just was really drawn back to being closer to my family. Hmm. Um, I have a, I've been really lucky to be very close to family and having strong relationships with them. And I just me- miss being there more of the day-to-day. Um, so, you know, and when you're in college and you're living in your college town, everyone else starts to move away too yeah. and move home. So the environment changes a little bit. So um, I think it was just important for me to be home and close to my family and like kind of figure out where I was going to ground myself. So there wasn't anything specific. It was just that urge, that feeling that I needed to be home. Mm, so sweet. And so you do, you head home and is there a role, you know, that there's a potential for, or is it like, Hey, I'm coming home and I'm going to figure this out. Yeah. I literally had, I didn't have a job. I didn't have oh a place God. to live. I moved back <laughs> in with my mom for, Oh, it was like five and a half months, which was probably the longest five and a half months of both of our lives. <laughs> I adore my mom, um, but her and I are very similar in certain ways. And it's just like, there's a certain point when your children just shouldn't live with you anymore. Right. She was gracious enough to let me get my feet on the ground um, before I found a place to live. So I moved home and um, I started interviewing for jobs. And I, I have to say it was very tricky because the design community and the design world is um, a very small circle. And if you don't know people in the industry, it can be hard to break into. So um, I, even though I knew I wanted to do residential design, I didn't really know any designers in Minneapolis at the time. So I took a job working as a designer for Ethan Allen, um, oh. which is a large furniture store, but they have, they hire interior designers on staff to help clients as they come in. And, um, you know, they focus more on like whole house or whole room designs instead of just selling sofas. So, um, it was a great opportunity for me. They had benefits and it was um, a really nice job right out of school. Um, but it came with the, sh- the the hard things of, you know, working weekends and working on holidays and mm. the schedule was tough. Um, so it, it gave me a little grit in the world too of understanding that interior design isn't all glamorous and it comes with a lot of really hard work and you have to learn how to sell and it's not just pulling pretty fabrics, but you have to be liable and responsible for, um, you know, not making big mistakes because they can be very costly. And I, I just learned a lot being a designer there. Mm. Oh yeah. And so, yeah, even to the, the work ethic, like you said, the grit, the, the need to sell and, and the, the details of, you know, okay, we're working on the holidays, you know? And so I'm sure some of that was likely the continual rumbling of, of you thinking, okay, I could potentially do this at some point. Now, when you were at Ethan Allen and even you'll have to let us know what was the next role after this, are you thinking during this season and even the, the following, I, I want to do this. I was not thinking about having my own business at the time. I was thinking about still having the urge to work more closely um, on homes. And 
the one thing that I was not tapping into at Ethan Allen was the construction side of residential design. Mm. And I had been trained in it and I had done it at my previous job. Um, we worked with build, builders and building houses and doing renovations at my job in Lawrence. And um, I missed that part of it. I also wasn't using my AutoCAD skills. Um, you know, just some of the things that they taught in school didn't apply to that job. What I did do at Ethan Allen, though, was I was only a designer there for about a year, and then they moved me into management and leadership. So I became a design team manager there after a year, and I ended up, by the end of my four years um, at Ethan Allen, becoming a store manager, and I actually switched to um, I switched to Thomasville and worked there for a year running a an entire store. So at the age of 25, 26, I had 16 designers working under me. Um, and that was just a whole nother experience of kind of giving me the background and the bones to manage people and manage revenue and have, you know, that more of that business mindset. And um, I'm so grateful for that opportunity. Well, absolutely. And it sounds like it was a great experience, but ultimately you did head elsewhere. So what did that look like for you? Yeah. So um, as much as I gained out of Ethan Allen and being in management and having you know that skill set now of not only managing people, but also understanding what budgets look like and overhead and revenue and kind of really diving into the business side of it. Um, I still, it, honestly, it was the schedule that was driving me more than anything of not being able to um, be on a normal schedule with my family. So at, at the time I was engaged, about to be married. And although my husband had an incredible golf game because he was able to play golf every day of the weekend, <laughs> because I was working, um, we definitely urged, we just wanted that um, ability to have days off together because we really never had that unless I was taking vacation days. So um, that's kind of like the main reasoning behind it. Um, I think I'm a pretty loyal person. So when I find a place that I really like, I tend to stick to it. But um, that was kind of the driving factor to make me look for something else. Um, and, it, you know, like I was saying, as much as um, at Ethan Allen, we can do design that we were not able to do the construction design. So um, I started to look for something where I could get truly into residential design, where I was doing the not only the furnishings, but also helping with the construction construction aspect of um, interior design. Um, and I found a job with a designer who was just about to start her own company. She had always worked for other designers, and she was just about to turn 60 at the time. So again, just really inspired by these women who are later in their careers who um, have the eagerness and the passion to start something new and to, um, you know, take on that kind of role um, when a lot of people are kind of winding down in their careers. So I um, onboarded with her and helped her and she had fabulous clients and she worked in very high-end projects and um, it was just a really great experience and it was quite the departure from the type of work I was doing at Ethan Allen. So I felt like I was really getting a lot of fulfillment out of that. Okay. And during this specific season of your career, are you working mostly on residential or is this actually more commercial clients that you're working with? Well, so that first job that I had in Lawrence, um, you know, we we worked on those commercial spaces, but we also did a lot of res residential work. And a lot of that was 
driven by builders in town. Lawrence was a growing city and um, there was a lot of new construction and renovation work that we did there. So um, I, I started at right outside of college working on that aspect of design. And it's certainly something that we learned a lot about in college. So um, I just kind of had that gap in my career when I was at Ethan Allen and was really happy to get back into it. It's just a, it's where you get to use that detail um, that I, I say I'm a left and a right brain person, which is somewhat unique for people. Um, I love detail and organization and processes, um, but I'm also very creative too. And so it kind of allowed me to tap both sides of my brain by doing that. Mm, absolutely. And to be able to have that experience and to grow both of those different areas. Now, tell me this, what year is this? Oh, sure. So that would have been um, the year that I got married, which was 2010. Okay. So 2010, you're in this role. You just got married and you're enjoying it, but ultimately you do shift elsewhere. What did that look like? So I was there for probably 18 months. Um, and when I became, became pregnant with my son, um, my husband had taken on a new job and we kind of looked at life as like, what what do we want to get out of it? I knew I didn't want to be a stay-at-home mom, but I think I was still yearning for a little bit more flexibility or even maybe it was more control over my schedule. Hmm. Um, I'm what some people would call a workaholic, and that's mainly because of what I do. I just really, really love what I do, so it doesn't feel like work to me. Um, and so it wasn't that I didn't want to work. I just wanted to be able to kind of work when I wanted to. So if my um, soon to be son was needing to go to the doctor, I would be able to do that. Or if my husband had a day off, I could schedule my calendar to, to spend that time with him. And, um, that just was something that I still felt like I was missing. And, um, so when I was pregnant and eight months pregnant, I decided that I was going to start my own business and gave myself a month to kind of pull it all together before my son was born. What? <laughs> that is insane. I know. I just want to make sure that everyone heard this correctly, that you just said you're eight months pregnant. Yeah, I know. Maybe it was the hormones. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was something. It was definitely something. And I think this is an HSDT first to be able to say, okay, we were launching uh, our actual business at eight months pregnant, which again is so impressive and crazy to think about. Yeah. But you do. That's the time frame that worked best for you. Now, are you seeing clients during this time? What did that look like? I think I gave myself that last month of pregnancy and then um, what I was considering maternity leave as my time to kind of get all my ducks in a row. So get the software in place, the systems, worked on the branding. Um, so I didn't take on any clients until after he was born. And, you know, probably he was probably like eight weeks old when I started really talking to clients. Um, <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, it's so fun to think about the early stages of the business paired with the early stages of his life and him being able to meet clients and all of that fun stuff. Um, okay. But Bria, tell me this, what year is this? This is now we're into 2012, the spring of 2012. Okay. Wow. So spring of 2012, you're navigating not just motherhood, but also the business. Yeah. Yeah. And I did bring him to a lot of meetings that first year. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure they enjoyed that. So sweet and so fun to recall these early memories of the business and the baby. But I'm curious because a lot of times with interior designers, you know, that early stage of getting clients can be 
uh, actually part of the most challenging season of the business. What did it look like for you? Are these clients coming from Ethan Allen? What did that look like? Yeah, you know, I think that um, it stems a lot to family again and our friend our friend circle of hmm. people that we actually went to high school with um, and their parents and it was the community. So I didn't really have a lot of clients that came with me from Ethan Allen because I'd been so removed from being their designer for for so many years since I was managing. And then I um, I'm a very ethical person and I did not want to talk to clients that were the previous designer who I'd worked for. Um, so, you know, I'm, it's important to me to keep relationships. And that was, we had a really great relationship with me leaving and we're still very close. So um, I wasn't about to reach out to anybody that I'd worked with there. So really starting fresh when I started my own business, but I did have a lot of family and family friends who were interested in hiring me. And at the time, you know, you go back to that grit of just saying yes to anything that came my way. So if a client wanted me to come over and just help pick paint colors, I did it, you know, and if they just had a bathroom remodel, I would do it. And um, eventually as the clients grew and started, I had a lot of referrals and then I started working with um, some builders in town. Then I was able to be a little bit more picky about what I was saying yes to. But at the time, you know, it was just boots on the ground and I would do anything that anyone asked me for, even if it was, I remember a person who just wanted to accessorize her house and didn't even want to order accessories through me. So I just went shopping with her for a day. <laughs> but, you know, she um, was married to a NHL player and I knew that that was a good network to be in. And, you know, it's all about networking. So I said yes a lot for that first, I would say, 18 months of the business. Wow. I mean, to think of the early stages of the business and what you were up to and how you were assisting and how you were growing not only your personal network and enjoying time with clients, but the business side of things too, to say, okay, this is going to be a great client and I really want to go above and beyond, as you still do. Um, but I'm sure that many things have changed since then, specifically the realm of pricing and you know being able to work with clients. What did it look like in that early stage? Was this hourly at that point? Yeah, so um, it was hourly and it, it really had to be because of the type of work I was taking on. Um, and, you know, it's it's very hard when you don't have historical data to do flat fees as a designer. So um, for years we did hourly because there was no way for me to really understand what time it would take to do a project for a client, um, especially when we were taking on all different sizes of projects. Um, so I, I charged hourly until probably three years ago, two years ago. Wow. And we still do hourly on certain types of like at the beginning of projects before the scope's defined, but, um, I love flat fees because it just, I think our clients love them more. Um, but for years we did hourly because that's just, I just didn't have enough information to do otherwise. Right. Well, I love what you just said. Didn't have enough information to do otherwise because it was that early stage. Now I'm sure that has changed a lot since then. Yes. Absolutely. I mean, yes, definitely. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, thank you for kind of sharing the behind the scenes on that. I think that's a topic that's really challenging for people to understand. Okay. When you get started, what does it look like price wise? All of those different things are hurdles for new businesses. So it's fun to hear how you navigated those early stages. Now, this is really fun because you're a new mom. You have your business growing. It's a growing business. Was there a moment that you thought, okay, we're we're really going to do this. This is happening. 
Yeah, I would say about 12 months in, um, we had already hired a nanny part-time and I was taking Louie, my son, with me the other half of the time and trying to just have client meetings be during the time that we had the nanny. Um, but about a year in is when I hired my first assistant part-time and that's when I started looking at office spaces because as you know, toddlers um, and having them in the home, it's not very productive. So um, working from home just wasn't really feasible for me anymore. So I think it, it was pretty close to the one year mark when I when I got the office, which is the office that we're sp still in. I've just expanded quite a bit, but um, I got the first office. I had my first employee hired. And that kind of is what when it made it feel official. Like I, this is what I was going to do. Okay, and what year is this? Yep, that would have been 2013. 2013. So we were just in 2012 with the launch and everything. Um, so it's a quick turnaround. I mean, a year, that's a pretty good timeline to go ahead and be in your own office, have the assistance that you need both at home and then at work moving forward. Um, I'm curious early on, early in these very early years, early stages, was there a memory or a specific client that you felt like, okay, I am going to be able to do this long term? Yeah, you know, I was so lucky. I think one of my my pivotal projects that was really early on was actually um I was helping a client build a home and she was my wedding planner. Um so she knew that I was in interior design. We stayed connected after my wedding and she knew that I had started my own business and her and her husband um were building a beautiful home um right on the river on the border of Minnesota and Wisconsin. And they asked me to help them design all of it and furnish it. And that was a massive project for me at the time. Um, and even more so than the size of the project, they are, um, he's a financial advisor and their, their business is built on referrals. And they were such a great referral source for us for years and years. Um, and so that project really, like her being so generous and kind and um, talking about my, me and my business um, for so many years has really driven me to some of my best clients I've ever had. Um, and then those clients refer me to, to more better clients. So um, again, referrals and doing your best work for these people and staying connected with them after has been so important for, for everything that we do now. Well, everything you do now is a lot more than perhaps what you guys were stepping into at that early stage. But I do just want to say, I think it speaks a lot to you and your team that these clients would not only come back, but that those referrals were always such a huge part of your business early on. And to this day, that's the case. But I know too, you have since launched a shop as well, Brooke and Lou. Tell us a little bit about the early stages of that portion of the business. We're really lucky and we put a lot of effort. It wasn't all luck, but we put a lot of effort into our social media for Bria Hamill Interiors and we were able to gain quite a large following at the time on Instagram. Um, and one thing that we found from Instagram was that there was a lot of people there reaching out to us wanting sources for the product that was in our projects. And um, they might not have been ideal clients for us to work with in a design service capacity, but they really appreciated our aesthetic. Um, so my business side of me really started seeing this as like we were just giving away business, you know, of these people who wanted to have all these sources. And I was like, you know, we could be selling this product to them and maybe they can't afford to hire us as their designer, but they can shop our looks. And um, we're always very protective of our clients and what they've invested in us um, with their 
custom designs, but there's certain things that um, they could easily shop online and try and find and why not make it easier and more accessible for these people who are reaching out to us. And so that was kind of the stem for um, one of the main reasons why we wanted to launch Brook and Lou. Um, so Brook and Lou is our retail business and it's um, focused on life-friendly home decor. Um, we've actually trademarked life-friendly because it's a huge focus for us um, with our interior design work and also making it more accessible to clients and customers, um, which is just really having beautiful furnishings that you can actually use and live on and they're cleanable and they're strong and they're high quality. And um, it's something that you'll see across Brook and Lou's pages of this product that just really um, is unique in that aspect of we've tried it in our homes, we've tested it, we work on product development all the time to make these things better. And it's something we're proud to share with other people. Well, and that they would be in your home and that you would be able to say, yeah, that we spill on this, we move around on this and look how great the quality is and look how um, how beautiful the pieces are. Um, we'll give you guys a chance to connect with Bria at the end of, of this episode, but they are. The, the pieces that you have are beautiful. And I think it's amazing that you thought, okay, people are really needing this. They're asking, this is another wing of the business. This is another thing that we could assist our clients with. And so I love that Brooke and Lou came to fruition. Now, I would be curious because it's been fun to hear some of the highlights. Um, is there maybe an instance throughout your career that you'd say maybe failure or a specific challenge actually helped shape it? Um, you know, speaking of Brooke and Lou, I think one thing that I've definitely learned is that anytime you try and launch a new business or launch a new idea, it doesn't even have to be a business, but something that's going to really take a lot of your focus, everything else that you have around you that you work on is going to have to fall back a little bit. And um, as we did the big launch for Brooke and Lou, my design business, BHI, definitely took a step back and the clients could feel it my employees could feel it. And that was something that we had to really work through. And we are in a much better place. And, you know, Brooke and Lou has been around for four and a half years. And it probably took me 12 to 18 months to dig out of that, of just the clients kind of being confused about like, where did Bria go, you know? And um, it was just because it took a lot of my time to get that other company up and running. Um, and in the meantime, you know, we've lost, we lost a few great clients and um, it just had, it made me rethink what my relationship needed to be with our clients. Um, I didn't, I don't want to be done with the design and I really want both companies to stay growing and be successful. And so I really had to step back and think about like, okay, what am I doing wrong here where these clients aren't coming back to us? You know, maybe they have another house they want us to help them with and they don't hire us, they hire someone else. And that can be painful as a designer to see. So um, we really, you know, took a step back and reassessed kind of what our process is with our clients. And with that being said, I love being more of a creative director and overseeing all aspects of both businesses. And that means that I can't be in every single client meeting. So um, we talked with a lot of our clients who are really willing to be open and honest with us and kind of work through like, where do you feel like it's the most important? Where am I finding the most joy in the design part of the business with clients? And where where can my clients be taken better care of if it's not me doing all the work? Um, so it was an exercise and definitely a learning lesson that I wasn't expecting to happen. But I think that we come out on the other side much stronger, much better. Our processes are 
so much better than they used to be. Our clients are so much happier and we're doing some of the most incredible work that we've ever done. I could not have imagined two, three years ago that we'd be doing the work that we're doing um, this soon. So it, it was a good thing, but it was a painful moment in our business for sure. Well, thank you for sharing that specific season because I think there's so many lessons that those of us listening can take. And it is challenging when you have clients, but then you also have the ability to allow other people to have products from you and be able to get a little bit of that Bria Hamill interiors look. I mean, you have to navigate that and you did so well. You really did. Um, Well, this is always a little bit of a loaded question and I love to just preface with that, but can you tell us maybe what is the greatest lesson you have learned? Yeah. Um, you know, I would have to say that being a really strong person and really standing up for what you believe in um, is is the most important thing when running multiple businesses and having young children and kind of trying to do it all. Um, I am the, the whole conversation of work-life balance is something that I'm very much opposed to. And it kind of um, makes me cringe when I hear that phrase because I am a strong believer and there is no such thing. And you every day wake up and you choose what your focus is going to be. And I try and share this a lot with my friends who are not even just the working moms, but anyone, even my friends who have chosen to stay at home and um, work in their home and raise their families. Um, it's all so hard. And you know what? It's just as hard for the men too. And I think that we all are trying to do our best, but if you just wake up every day, choose your focus, and then really be passionate about what you get to do every day, it has brought me so much more joy than the constant feeling of, I can't be at that library reading, or I'm not volunteering enough at school because I'm on a trip, or you know, I'm um, at my child's doctor's appointment and I have to miss a really important client meeting. Every day I'm making that choice and I make... I, I take the time to make those decisions, but once I've made it, I feel really strong in it and I just find the joy in what I'm doing in the moment and just try and let go of that guilt. Mm, So beautifully said, coming from a woman who has multiple businesses and of course has the family to think of, that work-life balance, it really isn't actually something we can achieve and and you said it so well but I think too just the the point you just made about making the decision and then moving forward with with peace with it my grandfather used to say you make the decision and the one you make it's the right one so move forward with it and uh, you have done such a great job of that well if I've learned anything about you leading up to this conversation it's that you always have something coming up so What's next for you? Yeah, so um, part of the business that's been really fun and something that I'm very honored that I get to do is licensing partnerships. So um, we've had a few launches in the recent years with the Two Home, which is a kitchen-focused home decor company. Um, we have a couple more up of our up our sleeves that um, I can't officially talk about yet, but those all will be coming out. Basically, just having product that I get to design with a company. Um, and really be able to share more of my design ideas with the world. So we have a few of those launches coming up and then something that's a little bit more further in the future, but something I'm working in the dreaming phase, I call it right now, is just kind of trying to find our permanent home for my companies of a place where my team and my clients and our customers for Brook and Lou can go and and have an experience of being with us. So 
um, that would be something local that um, we can host events and, you know, really share more of what our day in, day out looks like. And just kind of, it's not a final resting place, but it kind of feels like it. Like my heart feels very calm when I think about this place that's in my head. And I'm just slowly, methodically coming up with the concepts and figuring out how we'll pull it off. And um, it's just a really exciting thing that I'm thinking about. And I know a lot of our Brook and Lou customers are wondering, like, when when can they do more shopping in person experiences? And that's something that we're starting to plan. Oh, my goodness. Well, I know that many people listening will be excited to hear that news and an early congratulations on that because that's going to be so much fun. And gosh, it's been amazing. It's been amazing to unpack your career specifically within the theme of friendship, you know, returning clients, returning customers, and being able to say that's something that is really um, a huge part of your life, that networking side of things. So I would love to ask you, who do you know that should maybe come on and share their story? Yeah, well, I mean, not to vouch for interior design, but I do think that interior designers have a lot to share. Um, And everyone's story is so different of how they get into the career and how they juggle all the things. And um, I have some really great friends that are in this industry who are doing really big things. So I would say my friend Monica Hibbs, um, she is actually out of Vancouver, Canada, And she is an incredible woman with an incredible following on social media, but probably one of the most creative people I have found who is not officially um, educated in interior design, Um, but wow, does she have an eye. So I think that she has a great story and she is doing all the things and has a lot of fun things coming up for her. So I think she could be really great. And then my friends Park and Oak, who are based out of Chicago, it's um, a friend um, partnership and they run an incredible company and are very talented designers. But I think that learning the business of two women working together is something that I don't know how they do it. Um, I think it'd be really hard to have business partners and I just really respect them and how they do that. So I think that they could be really great on on the podcast. Well, I knew that you would have awesome recommendations. Thank you so much. And you all will have to stay tuned for a potential episode with Monica and the ladies behind Park and Oak. Bria, thank you. And I know many listeners have likely already looked you up as they are listening, but you tell us where can listeners connect with you? Yeah, so for our design firm and seeing kind of what we call our daily portfolio on Instagram, Bria Hamill Interiors, um, and then for Brook and Lou, our retail brand, you can find us at Brook and Lou on Instagram. Our websites are BriaHamillInteriors.com and BrookeandLou.com. Perfect. Well, Bria, thank you again so much for your time today. This was a blast. Thank you so much Thank you all for listening to today's episode of How'd She Do That? Brought to you by Storied Beauty. Be sure to use our code HSDT15 at checkout. I am Emily Landers. You can follow me on Instagram at Emily Landers and the podcast at How'd She Do That Podcast. We'll talk to you next week for a new episode. Talk to you soon.